Welcome, foolish readers, to a spooky edition of Shit We've Read, brought to you by the Creeps at Milo Network. <laughs> Hello, foolish mortals, and welcome to the Halloween episode of Shit We've Read, your favorite book podcast hosted by a bunch of spooky nerds. Um, This week's episode, we are talking about She is a Haunting by Tring Tan Tran. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts, Laura and Rico. Hi, Laura. Hello. Excited for this spooky episode. Very spooky, very scary. Rico, how are you feeling? Are you in the spooky mood? It's your time. Mwahaha. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yes. I yeah. will talk in a in a Dracula accent all episode, even though this isn't the vampire <laughs> oh, book. Oh no. Oh no. This will, this will not get old very quickly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, listeners can't see that you have your your background set up for us. You got yeah, your little kinda. decorations around I have, you. I have my, uh, I have a, a display case over here with my Halloween decorations. So I moved some of them okay. over for, for the camera. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He said kind of, and he has a headstone, a black candelabra with black candles. Yeah. A skull. Yeah. A spooky clock with a skeleton hand and yeah. maybe like ocean ingredients. It's a, it's a ghost jar. Yeah, it's a jar. It's, but it, he's it only holds, kind of decorated. It holds one oh. of the, the, the spirits from the haunted mansion in Disneyland. Oh, fancy. This, this one specifically is a librarian, hence the, uh, the book charm on there. Oh. And it's not turned Makes on, sense. but if you push the top, um, it'll, it'll make some noise and this will light up in the back. You can't see it. There's nice. a ghost. There's a ghost hidden in here. Oh. This is all great for a podcast where no one can see anything. <laughs> I mean, that's this could okay. be our, this we'll could put be our advertising clip. Yeah, we'll just put <laughs> yeah. a picture of something on, on yeah, socials sure. or whatever. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, do a behind the scenes uh, reel for us. Or yeah, okay. We'll do. You got it. <laughs> we need some spooky content. Amazing. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so it's the spooky season. So what else are we reading to get in the mood, to get in the, the festive spirit of Halloween? <laughs> Uh, so I actually am reading stuff for the spooky season. Um, I am making my way through a bunch of horror comics and I just read, uh, six volumes in total of, uh, the Archie comics imprint, Archie horror, specifically Jughead, the hunger and Vampironica. And then they came together and did a crossover series. And then there's another Vampironica series that came out of that. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Archie Comics and their horror imprint, it's the same imprint that gave us The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was adapted mm-hmm. into a Netflix show. Um, and each title is its standalone horror thing. Uh, if you watch the show, you know what The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is about. Jughead the Hunger is about Jughead being a werewolf. Uh, Vampironica is about Veronica being a vampire. And then the crossover was kind of like a, a multiverse crossing over story the world of vampires the world of werewolves you know they're fun they're 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 cute um i've actually really started getting into archie comics the last few years surprisingly it was never a thing i grew up with but they rebooted this the books a number of years ago and uh they're fun and they're they're easy to read and they're they're spooky they're goofy um so yeah right up my alley yeah i heard um uh, that the the Jughead and Vampironica comics were pretty good. I know those were pretty good sellers at our comic shop. I never got around to reading them though. So do you think it's do you think it'd be something I would like? I think so. Yeah. So I yeah. I think the first series that they released was called Afterlife with Archie or something like that, and it was kind of uh, an anthology series, maybe of just all of the characters. And I read that a number of years ago, and that was fun. It's just a kind of a good introduction yeah. to all the characters, and you get a little sampling of different horror tropes and monsters. Um, I haven't read The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so I don't know how good the book is itself, but I was a fan of the show. Um, mm-hmm. the, I've seen the artwork, and the artwork's really cool for the comic. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've read it all the way through, but uh, yeah, the artwork's really awesome. Yeah, no, they're fun. They're they're short. They're easy to read. I mean, I like I said, I think I read six volumes, and you can easily read six volumes in a night. They're they're short. They're easy to get through. They're a good, just kind of a 
primer for for more scary stuff if you want later in this in the month but mm. yeah, they're fun i think i think okay. they're for everybody nice cool laura what have you been reading um for the spooky season uh i did not really go with the spooky theme um i considered it but also as probably our most of our listeners will know by now i don't read very fast <laughs> so <laughs> I just I I picked a book that I I lived, like I really wanted to read. Um, so I'm reading Chasm by Stacy McEwen. Um, I think I mentioned it in the last episode is what I was going to read next, and I actually did it. Um, I'm almost done with it. Um, it is the second book in the Glacian trilogy. Uh, book book one was really interesting. It was like a, about a, a small town of people that are basically trapped and living on this icy ledge on this mountain. They can't get out. They just have to live their lives there. And um, every so often these flying humanoid beasts show up and they pick some of the humans and they take them over the chasm and you never see them again. And so when the main character Dawson is chosen, um, we get to follow her journey of her figuring out how to escape. Um, so in book two, still following Dawson, um, but she is now working with a band of outcasts to try and find a way to save the people from the ledge. So it's been very interesting. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of kind of romance in in book two, definitely book one. Um, but I will say Stacy is very good at. Um, kind of like torturing the readers sometimes. <laughs> and there's been times when I was just like, why did you do this? Why did you write this? Mm. Um, so, but I really, I'm really enjoying it. I like the characters. Um, there are all different types of characters in it. Serious. Some are really funny. Um, there's, there's good uh, queer representation in it. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, also another, another big thank you to, I think it was Angry Robot. Um, it also provided advanced reader copy for us too. So I definitely recommend it to anybody who is interested in reading these. Excellent. How about you, Bella? That would sound really cool, actually. Um, yeah. I am reading The Future King by Robin Schneider. It's, um, a new book by this author, but it's book two of this other of this series, I think it's called the other Merlin series. I don't actually know what the series like title is, but the first book is called the other Merlin. I think I've talked about it before on the podcast yeah, I read yeah. it earlier this summer. I really like it. It's um, queer fantasy. It's an Arthurian art, Arthurian fantasy. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Um, so Knights of the round table, King Arthur, um, but it's definitely done in like a more modern style. Um, like they speak, you know, they have sass, they're a little, they're quirky and funny. It's, I wouldn't say it's queer normative at all, but the queerness isn't really balked at. Like it's not really part of the main character's conflict. It is part of um, one of the other characters, the, the side characters um, conflict, but all in all, especially the second book is like way more gay and way more like, nah, yeah. So what you're gay is great. Um, it's a fun book. It's just a fun time. I realized that the second book had come out, so I, I just wanted to read it. It's not spooky either, Laura. So I I, I get you are not. We all can't be Rico who plans wow. Wow. his book reading based it's, on the month. Here that the books it is. I'm reading for the next Look, five years. Y'all give me shit schedule. for scheduling, and then here comes October, and I'm the only one that understands the assignment. Oh, excuse me. Well, then I have things on my list, sir. I read okay. quickly. Okay. I just we've had other books to read. Like this one. So, hey, okay. we, the book that we're talking about tonight was my spooky book for the season. That's true. Exactly. This is a very, this book. So let's, let's get a little bit more into it. This book is very spooky. Um, again, we're reading She is a Haunting by Trang Tan Tran. Uh, they, she pronouns. Um, this is a young adult horror. I would even say like kind of has gothic horror vibes. It's very slow mm -hmm. burn. It's all pre predominantly in the setting of an old colonial home. 
um, our setting is just in Vietnam rather than here in the States. Um, Rico, I'm going to make you as our resident horror slut, our horror whore, um, to read the synopsis. I will gladly take the mantle of horror whore. I thought so. Okay. The synopsis for this book is, when Jay Nguyen arrives in Vietnam for a visit with her estranged father, she has one goal, survive five weeks pretending to be a happy family in the French colonial house Ba is restoring. She's always lied to fit in, so if she's straight enough, Vietnamese enough, American enough, she can get out with the college money he promised. But the house has other plans. Night after night, Jade wakes up paralyzed. The walls exude a thrumming sound, while bugs leave their legs and feelers in places they don't belong. She finds curious traces of her ancestors in the gardens they once tended. And at night, Jade can't ignore the ghosts of the beautiful bride who leaves her cryptic warnings. Don't eat. Neither Ba nor her sweet sister Lily believe that there is anything strange happening. With help from a delinquent girl, Jade will prove this house, the home her family has always wanted, will not rest until it destroys them. Maybe this time she can keep her family together. As she roots out the house's rot, she must also face the truth of who she is and who she must become to save them all. Excellent. And scene. <laughs> Amazing. Great, great job. Who <laughs> knows? Um, yeah, so let let's let's get into this. Um, first of all, I feel like this book maybe didn't come with content warnings and really should. If you don't like bugs and mold and germs and things, this is not the book for you. There's some disturbing. There's some uh, disturbing imagery. Yeah, imagery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it it's a great book, but um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guessed from the cover that this would involve. Yeah, there's some body horror thing. kind of things going on, and, and yeah, body horror, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could guess from the cover, but I think people really sure. should know, even though it's YA, it it does get into it. So I will try to. That's also, I guess, a content warning for our podcast because I'm sure we are about to talk a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did what did you guys think, um, Laura? Since Rico just read the synopsis, what what were your first impressions of this book? You know, I overall I really enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting there were a lot of different themes that were being touched on um and i think some of them were a little bit deeper than i expected because this this is a ya um and so i thought some things were just going to be glossed over but there were there were some some topics in there that i mean honestly are are i guess typical for a ya anyways just you know trying to figure yourself out um but also Obviously, we're learning a little bit about the French colonial house and that that history. So that brought in some more interesting topics as well. Um, I think I probably would have enjoyed it more if I had read it instead of listened to the audiobook, though. Mm. Again, slow reader, lost track of the month. So the only way I was able to get this book done in time to record was to listen to the audiobook. And I think the author has a great voice, but I don't think she did the greatest job overall with certain details. <laughs> and so sometimes it was really hard to follow or the way that she read things or pronounced things would take me out of the story. We can get into more detail of that later if we want to, but I think um, – I think this is definitely a book that's more enjoyable to sit down and read versus listen to. Because okay. um, I also think that, you know, when you read, you're also giving your own kind of tone to certain things and um, putting emphasis on certain details and things in your mind that, for me, didn't always match with the audiobook. So I'm, um, I'm with you on that. I'll jump in with my impression and then Rico, feel free to jump in. But um, I agree that I overall really liked the book. I also read the audiobook a little bit or listened to the audiobook a little bit. Um, it wasn't my favorite. It was kind of hard to keep track of what was happening because mm-hmm. the way that this book is written, you are one, you have an unreliable narrator because there's some weird stuff going some possession going on with the ghosts in the house. 
Um, so you're not always sure like where you are in the story. Like, are you in a memory or are you in the present? Um, depending on how the author was speaking and then how the Mm -hmm. scene transition, it's kind of hard. Like, and this is like specific parts of the book. It isn't the whole book. Um, so I think overall, like the audiobook was fine, but I did enjoy reading it better. You could more easily follow where you were in the story, um, both like time and place and like which character and like um, each chapter or each, um, there's like different sections to the book based on a body part. So it's like the liver, the heart, the, the larynx. Um, and so like those parts are like weird transitions in the audiobook versus in the book. Like you yeah. kind of sit with it a little bit differently. So I'm with you. Anytime there's that sort of like thematic breakup of a book, I prefer a physical book. It's also just like kind of a slow burn, like mystery. I like reading those more than I like listening to them. Um, I don't know. I think like you said, it just, you can put more into it and reread things um, for clues that you can't really do with an audiobook. So I'm with you on that. Rico, what are your thoughts? I, I'm i with you both. I think you you both said exactly what my thoughts were. Um, Laura, similar to your thoughts, I, this book had a lot more to it than I anticipated. Um, I, I think unfairly, I'll admit, I, I tend to go into YA books not expecting a whole lot. Um, yeah. I think this book did have a lot. I mean, it definitely had the gothic kind of horror vibes it had. Um, familiar relationships, uh, um, ethnic identities, uh, your queer identities and trying to figure out who you are and, and where you belong in the world. Colonialism kind of plays you know, a role. And, uh, and so there's a lot more to this book than I anticipated. Um, I also listened to the audiobook and I had some issues with the audiobook, mostly pronunciation in particular. Mm-hmm. But one that always stood out to me was the way they pronounce a certain flower, which is not the same as the way I pronounce oh. it. Uh, hydrangeas? Yes. And I've always heard of hydrangea, which, yeah. I mean, maybe that's not the correct way, or maybe that's the American way. I, I don't know, but they pronounce it slightly different. So every single time they said the flower, which is very often in this book, um, it just stood out and it kind of took me out of the, the experience, which is a bummer. Um, I think this book is... Trying to be gothic horror, I don't know if it was entirely successful for myself, but um, gothic horror, for the most part, I think I enjoy more when I actually physically read it. Um, before mm-hmm. we recorded, Bella, you made a kind of a comment about how you wish it was like storming outside to record this episode. And like, that's exactly the kind of vibes <laughs> I want when reading a gothic story yeah. is like, I want it to be dark. I want there to be like a single candlelight, you know, flickering. Um, and so I think reading it. <laughs> okay. Charles Dickens, who are you? <laughs> I think I think I think reading this kind of story would lend itself to a more rich experience. Um, yeah, as opposed to listening to the audiobook. Like you said, Laura, the narrator was was fine. I, I don't really have anything negative to say against the narrator. Um, I just think if you have the option, maybe read the book uh, yourself. Um, but not everybody can do that. Um, so enjoy it however you can. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I will say that like the, I expected this book to be spooky Gothic horror, but it it did surprise me in how heavy it was, but it also didn't because knowing like the author being non-binary Vietnamese American, I was like, where, I think there's going to be a lot to unpack in this book, which made it hard to start when you know, you're going to have a heavy book like that. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, I'm reading this like lighthearted YA, like romance King Arthur book. It's kind of hard to switch to like a body horror haunting situation. Well, Um, it's, 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 um, it's compared to not compared to, but in, in the description, it says that it's perfect for fans of Mexican Gothic, which we've read for the podcast before. So I, I I went in knowing that there was going to be some of these topics, but again, YA, I thought it was going to not be as much um and as 
I guess not as disturbing some of the some of the imagery because I was like it's YA. Like that's true. I yeah. was okay with Mexican Gothic. This is a YA, um, kind of similar in in terms of the house and uh, you know, the French colonial house is similar to to what was going on in the in in Mexican Gothic. It was just, it was it just it just was there was more than than we thought. <laughs> I will say that Mexican Gothic is a very apt comparison. Uh, it is. It's. I it mean, is. like you know, Mexican Gothic w- was to Mexico what this is to Vietnam. Uh, very similar yeah. kind of vibes. I mean, different story overall, but but very very similar vibes yeah. and setups. But the, and, the and, ties, the ties to colonialism. They're there, yeah. Spot spot on. Mm-hmm. The yeah. obviously this is different because it's a modern. It was like historical. So it's different, but like the themes are there, right? That yeah. like this, yeah. they're considering me lesser because of the color of my skin. And like, even mm-hmm. though this is my country and I'm intelligent, people assume I'm stupid or I don't speak English. And my ancestors were treated like less than, blah, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It was just, it was, I was like, that was actually really accurate. I feel like sometimes... People like will compare themselves to like really well-known books and it's not, doesn't always work out. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, like I, I kind of hate that now. I don't trust it all the time, which I think was another layer to this. Like, I think I know what I'm getting. And if it is like Mexican Gothic, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But also what if it's not like Mexican Gothic? And I have to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Like that's a really shitty comparison <laughs> to have to talk about. Like Mexican Gothic is really well-known. This held up to that. I actually... I, I think it was really spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who really liked Mexican Gothic, I think I liked this more in different ways um, and less in other ways. So okay. on that note, I think we should move on to the spoiler impressions. Let's do yes. so Rico, insert some spooky music here. Spooky, spooky. Um, set the tone. Uh, apparently I'm really into hand gestures right now. I don't know. Hands are doing crazy things. Um, but Again, great for a podcast. Yeah. Great for <laughs> Yeah. In 2017, Universal Studios announced The Dark Universe, an ambitious project that would see all of their classic movie monsters come together like some kind of horror Avengers. Only one movie was ever made, which bombed so hard they canceled the entire franchise. But what if they hadn't? On our podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, we imagine the connected horror universe that never was. Every week, one of us pitches the other on the next movie in the universe until we grow to Marvel proportions and beyond. So far, we've tackled Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and many more, and we're just getting started. Follow along on your favorite podcast app and ask yourself the question, Are you afraid of the dark universe? Beware, foolish mortals. As you proceed with this episode, we are getting into spoilers. So if you would like to read this book before listening in on the rest of the discussion, pause now. Otherwise, proceed at your own at your own risk. We're gonna get into it. So, what did we like? What did we not like? Uh I I mean <laughs> I feel like um I, I mean, we've said a few times now this is a YA book, and it definitely felt like a YA book in terms of the characters. So sometimes I got just a little annoyed because they are, you know, it's following a teenager. Um, hmm. Her friend or her, what did the, the synopsis call her? A delinquent girl? <laughs> yeah. <that's it. laughs> Which feels kind of interesting, weird. Interesting a weird description. description. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Florin- Especially because I didn't find her to be very delinquent. No. I mean, she was, no. She was a normal teenager to me. I know yeah. she said, like, I'm a, what'd she say? I'm a boarding school delinquent or something. I don't know. I was like, yeah. are you? You seem very normal. She seemed me. normal to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there there were just things that were said or decisions that were made that were just like, this is very teenager. That just sometimes annoyed me. <laughs> um but I, I I think, you know, I still think that it was nice for me to be able to somewhat 
find things to relate to Jade, the main character, over. I'm not Vietnamese. I am Chinese. I'm half Chinese. Um, so, you know, we kind of, you briefly talked about this before recording, but um, this book jumps into, you know, not being enough for one or the other. Um, she is Vietnamese American, correct? Mm-hmm. And so yes. the book kind of talks about how, um, you know, she she doesn't speak well Vietnamese. Like, she doesn't speak it well. She can kind of speak it. She can kind of understand it. She can't read it. Uh, and so, like, when she's there, she's she's not enough. She's seen as just American. When she's in America, she's seen as Vietnamese. And then, like, her father is going through the struggle where – his family doesn't want to see him and support him because he grew up in America, even though he's now living in Vietnam and he can speak it and he's part of that family, you know, they see him as American, but he in America is seen as Vietnamese. And so I felt like I kind of connected with that in a way because, you know, in some situations I'm, I am white in other situations I'm Chinese. Um, I mean, I, I very much grew up in, I, I would say, a white family. <laughs> so I don't know my Chinese heritage as much. And I think I've brought this up before in past in a past yeah. episode. But it, it was nice to kind of to be able to relate to some of these situations that uh, more than just Jade was dealing with in the book. And it, it was funny. Um, my brother, my youngest brother seems to have gotten all the the Chinese genes out of the three of us. But even he said when he is with a group of white friends, people think he's Chinese. When he's a group of his Asian friends, people think he's white. So he's like, he doesn't even feel like he fits in, even though he is like, he definitely looks more Chinese than we do. And we were talking about different descriptions of things. And it was really funny in the book when I think Jade said something about how she's was it Jade? Was it Jade or Florence saying something about how they are a banana? It was Jade, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. I've never like actually read that. Like that is a description that that we use sometimes is that you know, we are Asian on the outside but inside we are we are white cuz we grew up in this culture. Um, so I just thought it was interesting to see that actually written in the book. <laughs> I think that's a that's a, a common so. issue that a lot of people, whether you're mixed race or not, run into when you are raised in a culture that is not the same as your your ethnic ancestry. Like I, I am yeah. I am Mexican American. Um, I am full blooded Mexican, though both my parents were from Mexico. So I'm not mixed race, but I was raised in the States. Um, and so to all my friends and everybody here, you know, I'm I'm Mexican. Like I speak the language. I have tan skin, you know, identify with the culture. But like if I were to go back home to L.A. or go visit people like in Mexico or something like I feel like I'm not Mexican enough, um, even yeah. though people still default to me. I went to Mexico for a for a friend's wedding and I was the default spokesperson because I was the brown one. And, and even people <laughs> there in Mexico would just immediately talk to me because you, you're the, you're the brown one, you speak Spanish, which luckily I did, but that's not, the, that's not true of all Mexican Americans. Like not, not everybody learned their native language. Um, but when I did speak to these people who were speaking to me, my Spanish was not nearly as strong. Um, there's a you know there's a slang term that we use bocho which means like you should speak spanish but you kind of really don't very well um and so it's not as strong and i get kind of anxious speaking spanish around native speakers i get a little embarrassed because my pronunciation isn't perfect um i forget certain words i use a lot of spanglish to fill in gaps um, which is kind of a thing that jade you know mentioned of like she understands vietnamese more she understands it better than she speaks it and so yeah. I related to her, even though it's totally different ethnicity, but I think it's a common, yeah. common um, experience, uh, especially amongst, I would say, people who are mixed race, like you, Laura, and also you, Bella. I mean, 
when I when I was reading this, I was I was wondering specifically how you two would feel because I imagine like you put you against white people, you're gonna feel like the ethnic person. You put you against your ethnicity, you're gonna feel too white. And so I'm just curious, like Bella, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I have so many thoughts, um, <laughs> especially because I actually I was reading this book on my way to an event today um, at my alma mater of UC Davis, um, which is also where I grew up, which is a very, very white town uh, here in Northern California. Very affluent, very white, which I was neither of, um, at least not in their eyes. Um, like no matter what, it was like you are brown, right? Like, and I'm not... I. I know that I'm a lighter skinned brown person, but I was brown enough, right? Where like people clock you in that town is like, you are not a white person, but like, what are you? Got that all the time, right? Like that's everyone's favorite question when you're somewhat mixed or like ethnically mm -hmm. ambiguous in some way, shape or form. I'm a person. What My name you? is Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always find a way to bring up Star Wars. Um, but yeah, like that, that I, I was talking about it today because I was speaking to like students who identify or like have Native American heritage. And we were talking about like how fucking ridiculous the concept of like race and ethnicity is in the sense that like they were like, I'm, I'm, I'm Native, I'm from this tribe in California and I get, are you Filipino? Are you Mexican? Are you like, what are you? depending on the group, right? Everyone has a different perception of like what these features are, right? Especially like if you're around really, really white people, they just kind of are like, you're brown, so you must be Mexican because like that's what we have in California. And it's like, that's not it. Someone was like, I'm Guatemalan. I I am from Guatemala, but- Is that in Mexico? Yeah, constantly having to explain to people like, no, it's different. Like, or because they're indigenous, they don't speak Spanish. They have a different language. Yeah. Right. Um, for those who are native to like Southern, uh, uh, Southern America, South America, or <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so tired, you guys. <laughs> this is trying to have deep conversations on like 10% of my brain. But it's just, that was the thing, like reading this book and talking today, I think just like, as I get older, I get more and more comfortable with being okay, being mixed. I think when I was younger, I really wanted to be white, make it easy. Right. And then as I got older, I was like, wait a second, like, I want to be proud of who I am. And I want to identify more with like my Mexican side because like, I love the food. I love the culture. I speak the language. Like that's what I'm clocked as right. When I'm walking out in the world is like not white, but as I get older, I'm like, I'm okay being mixed. And like, I speak Spanish, but I'm nervous around native speakers. My Spanish isn't a hundred percent like it used to be because I mean, I live in a white English speaking world, like in California, like most, especially Northern California, like it's really hard to find people who speak Spanish, like find those spaces. But so many, I meet so many people now, like at this event, it was like, I don't speak Spanish. I'm, you know, a hundred percent Mexican and I don't speak Spanish. And it, it's so much more common. And like our language doesn't have to be tied to our identi identity in that way. Like we're still valid in who we are. Uh, but seeing this, this character Jade really struggle with like not being enough of something like I, that really resonated with me on so many levels as someone who's like non-binary, bisexual, like mixed race. I'm like, I fuck, like you're always constantly trying to like prove something to yourself mm -hmm. too and to be okay with it all the time. I mean, yeah, like it's exhausting. And like, she's like having to lie to herself and everyone around her. And she's like, I can pretend for one more year. And I was like, Ooh, I feel that. I felt that like there's a lot of like, I just need to like make these things happen and everything will be okay. And then like, I can be comfortable with who I am, the rationalizing. So that was very YA, but that was still very important to read at the same time. Cause I think that a lot of us who grew up before social, like TikTok, before Instagram, like that came around when I was in like high school and college. So like that kind of representation didn't really exist as freely as it does now. Yeah. 
And so I still, these kinds of books like still mean a lot to me when I read them. I still love that kind of representation, the nuances, the gray areas of like identity and sexuality, ethnicity, whatever, right? Like that is still so important for me to read. So I was like, I really appreciate it. And the banana thing, I was like, oh, the times I've heard people call each other coconuts because they're brown on the outside and white on the inside. I was like, mm-hmm. we've all we've all heard this shit. And yeah, I just was like, God, I fucking hate this stuff <laughs> that like you still carry with you as an adult. I was like, oh, yep. that still hurts to read for her because of what I've gotten and what I've seen my friends get. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of, there was a lot of feelings, a lot of, a lot of, uh, identifying with the characters in this book. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think it's important to, to note that when it comes to like self identity, it's a, it's a ongoing process. Like it's not a, just a one-time thing. Uh, like, like Bradley, oh, yeah. you mentioned how like there was a point where like you just wanted to identify as white because it's probably easier. It made you it made you feel like you fit in better. But then now you're 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 more okay with identifying as who you truly are, or, you know. And and I think yeah. I think um, it's really hard for teens for someone like Jay to like trying to figure out all her identities all at once. You know, what's my ethnic identity? What's my my sexual identity? Um, that's that's a lot to put on yourself. But you're allowed to change your identities as you grow. The more information you have about the world and yourself, mm-hmm. new labels can make more sense, you know. And I think that's important mm-hmm. for people to understand. Uh, is like, however you identify today, if it suits you today, great. But hey, next year, if there's something that works better for you, by all means, change your identity. Like, you're not stuck. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, so true. We've had that conversation yeah. so many times. And there's so much more going on in this book than even just the mixed race identity. I mean, food is a really big theme in this book. Um, Literally, they are being poisoned by their dad, essentially, um, who is being haunted by the colonialist owners of the home and a person who assimilated by marrying into the family. It's all very complicated. So, like... It's so interesting to me because food is such a common trope in mixed race and first gen stories um, in like ethnic cultures. It's just, I don't know. It's just something we write about. We love food. Um, So it was interesting to me that food was the way that they were being manipulated. Yeah. I was was so interesting. I was so sad but also not surprised when we discovered towards the end that Jade was also being manipulated when she was making her sister's food, trying to protect Lily from her father, father's food and her realizing, oh, no, they've been having me do this. Okay, wait, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, no, grasshoppers look the same as chopped onions or leeks i can't remember yeah. uh, uh, as she's it was the crickets as she was cutting the crickets crickets and, are the and same. She's, like, a vegan. she's a vegan she's a vegan it's all to injury good lord i was i was gonna say as vegans how do you feel about this character <laughs> yeah it was really sister being secretly poisoned by animal products yeah and then the night she's having a vegan friendly meal and then the night that they all just ate the food <sighs> ate the meat and her sister the next day was just sick yeah. And she's like, this I, is weird. I don't I don't know what happened last night. Like she, yeah. this Lily was even like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh my God, I can't even imagine how she would have actually felt in real life. Like, No, as someone who, like, I haven't had meat in years. I'm a vegetarian. Well, I'm a pescatarian. So I guess I, I eat fish, but it's very different from like it's different red from meat. meat. Yeah. It's different from red meat, pork's feet, like all that pork knuckle. Like she was eat, like, for a vegan, she was off in the deep end i was like i can't even imagine doing that like just uncontrollably eating that much Mm. animal product after not eating it for so long beyond like she cheated for desserts is what her sister said but like but that was dairy that's dairy really that's true that's dairy it's not even like animal product it was like sweetened condensed milk which like arguably is more sugar than dairy products so i don't know you're justifying it. 
Yeah, I felt really bad. Yeah, I, I felt thought really about bad you guys. for Lily. Like Lily was in the middle of everything. She didn't know what the heck was going on, but Jade did and their father did. <laughs> and Lily's just yeah. in the middle, just like for just a 13-year-old, she was pretty stupid. She was very naive. <laughs> little too trusting i was like at 13 i was i was fighting people for more just as important of things like i know i can't believe that a 13 year old wasn't like hmm what could be happening why did i uncontrollably like scarf down all of this pork hmm could it my sister says i'm being haunted could i possibly be being haunted no i love my dad I was like, get out of here, Lily. Stop it. <laughs> Wake up. So that was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I thought the the family stuff, the food, all of it was really tied together um, because her memories of her dad were about food. And so like that almost made her an unreliable narrator, which we then found out was actually true because she was poisoning her sister with food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like she kept going back and forth throughout the book of like, I'm not going to eat. The ghost told me not to eat, but but it looks really good. And so I, I'm going to eat it. And it was delicious. And I have no regrets other than maybe I shouldn't eat today because I should like detox from this, basically. I got very like very big uh, like eating disorder vibes from mm. this whole thing uh, of like don't eat and like really wanting to that. eat. Well, I just want to, like, you know, I don't know if how intentional that was or just an interesting kind of coincidence, but I, I but cause, cause yeah. I don't think Jade dealt with, I don't, I, I don't remember that being mentioned at all. Uh, I don't think but, so. but when it comes to just, you know, trying to read into like this person and, and them growing up, I was like, oh, there's there's like some weird eating disorder stuff going here. I don't eat, but it looks really good. And I really want to eat it and kind of you kind of, you know, binge it. And then yeah, it's not on I the was page. Wondering if either it, of you, yeah, I wonder yeah. if either of you clocked that. I definitely yeah. clocked that. Yeah. Um, no, it's it was definitely it definitely mirrored an eating disorder, but obviously it was based. It wasn't that's was it wasn't that for her. No, no, it no, was no, all no. around yeah. like haunting and stuff but yeah the yeah. language was really similar yeah but i felt like that 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 yes. added just it added to kind of like yeah. the body horror element of like yeah you Ooh. know i feel like a lot of yeah. horror stories feed into word, Lack word of choice. yeah yeah and i, I that's not, that was a very good point i wasn't going to bring it up because i didn't think that was relevant but i think you're right it it did add to the body horror of like the lack of control around your own body mm-hmm um, yeah, that was that was a really scary part of it was like how, you know, Lily and her both kind of gave up their own either like morals, like with the veganism or like dispositions around like, I'm not going to give in to my dad's cooking just because he wants to like have this relationship with me, even though he abandoned us. But like, ooh, that looks really good. And then there was the element of the haunting with it. So it's a good mm-hmm. point. Damn. Rico being the insightful one tonight oh it happens every you know it's <laughs> it's know. it's the season it's it's it's, it's the spooky the season, season of course that's it he's using a hundred percent of his brain right now i'm guys. lighting extra candles it. they're they're imbuing me with extra power <laughs> there you go yeah yeah <laughs> any um, other month i wouldn't even remember what the main character's name is so it balances out <laughs> oh there you go um uh, what about the queerness of this book? Can we talk about like how incredibly gay her friendship <laughs> with Florence was? Florence, like yeah. from the very beginning, I was like, so gay. And we knew, like, I think from the very beginning, it was like, I like girls and I can't tell anybody. So we knew that she was bisexual from the beginning. But like immediately with Florence, she was like, oh, I like her. She's cute. And I, I don't know. It was really cute. It was really sweet. It was very YA, but it was like. It felt natural, it. though, too. Yeah. Like at first she's like, she's like, I don't I don't want to work with Florence. I don't want to have anything to do with her. But fine. I have to work with her on this website. Mm-hmm. And then I think that as she started feeling like she was um, kind of isolated in the house then she actually like really started to talk to Florence and it just felt like it was a pretty natural progression. Like seeing them build this friendship, you could kind of see a little bit of that attraction every so often. Um, the flirting was like 
so cute and perfect. Yeah. Like very think- teenager, like, are you gay? I might be gay, but I don't want to say it yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you know, you know. They're both trying to give each other signals. <laughs> it's so funny. It's really cute. But then it's also like very nice to see this friendship kind of roll out naturally as they're like kind of both again in similar boats of Florence is from Vietnam, but did boarding school in the US. So she's kind of got like the that assimilation uh, like identity crisis, the same as um, Jade, even though they're very very different. Jade grew up in the U.S. and is from in, is Vietnamese. So, just kind of shows some of those common themes. Um, what I like about the queerness in this book was that uh, it showed like the nuances of like bisexuality. I feel like other books that I've read that where a character is bisexual, it's just I like boys and girls, period. But this is, it even says later in the book is like, I like girls, I like boys, still sometimes more girls than boys, right? Like, I lean more towards girls. And then even also added, I like people who aren't either. So it's even like a little flavoring of like pansexual, Mm -hmm. you know, not just bisexual. Mm -hmm. But again, like, like I said, identities can change. Maybe Jay doesn't have that language yet or, 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 or they choose to identify like bisexual. Um, But I just like that there was some nuance there. Um, it added depth to the sexuality as opposed to just like, I really liked that. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's such a good point of like sexual identity is a spectrum. Um, and it's fluid. I mean, whatever your heart desires at any point, like there's no reason to use that label. And it would be really cool if there is some kind of like follow up story or like if the author does something and, like a similar vein of like, I'm just queer and I, you know, like whoever and that's it. You know, like there's no need to label yourself either. And I'm so curious about like Jade's journey with that. Um, like this was very much like a snapshot in time, but I could see it going that way. I could see her being like, yeah, just like whoever. And I'm not going to label myself. Maybe that'll be yeah. her journey. Who knows? I like, I like that the author also wrote in that the, that her parents accepted her yeah as such i mean it's it's not that's not always the case especially if you have a more traditional family Mm -hmm. um and so that was a lot of of what she was struggling with in this book is is her parents finding out and she wasn't ready for them to to know and Mm -hmm. she didn't know how they were going to react and so it was nice that in the end they both were accepting of her yeah. Of, of all the things that this ending included, at least there was like one thing that was kind of nice. Yeah. It's a pretty True. brutal ending to True. a book. So, uh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of gave me, uh, the fall of house of usher vibes. I don't know if anybody's ever read that short story from Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-mm. Uh, it, it's, it's the inspiration for the brand new show that came out on Netflix, the fall of the house of usher. And, you know, but the, that story is this haunted house, um, that basically is destroyed at the end and kind of the, the, the ghosts that haunt it go down with it and the main character kind of walks Mm. away from it. And so, okay. That's actually something I wanted to bring up that I think both this book and Mexican Gothic end with the house being burnt down. Yeah. It sounds like, this Edgar Allan Poe short story also ends with a house being burned down. Yeah. And I'm not, I am, I am not a horror whore. So I have a lot of questions, Rico. And I think okay. you might answer this. Is that like, is that a thing? Is that a trope that the haunted house burns down at the end? I think it, it, yeah. it is because in a lot of these stories, the house is a character and the house yeah. itself is like the antagonist, right? And so, so how do you, how would you destroy the antagonist? You got to, you got to defeat them. And so you have to raise the house down to the ground so that you can be free of it. Well, I thought when Jade punched the portrait of Marion, I thought that would have killed the, her spirit and therefore like unhaunted the house. So, cause there's always like a physical object tied to things too, which I know the house is a physical object, but sometimes it's like destroy the portrait. Um, like, I think I watched the new Haunted Mansion and it was like, they destroyed his hat 
or trapped yeah. him in the hat. Do you remember? You what? I'm yeah, assuming it was, you watched. It was his hat. So that was like that was tied to like his physical item. So I was kind of mm-hmm. curious if that would happen here. But what do you what do you guys think the house represented? What do you think it was a symbol for? Well, I mean the I mean the the real reason answer is colonialism it was yeah it uh it was a french mm-hmm. colonial house it it was built by french colonizers who came in and and mm-hmm. took over and and um not enslaved but like put the native people from Vietnam like to work like the grandmother she was one of the people mm-hmm. that had to work and so it, it represents outside forces coming in and taking over and and controlling uh, mm-hmm. a people um and so i mean I, I think in that regard it was one of the reasons why the house had to be destroyed because even if you punch mm-hmm. the the portrait and the ghost is no longer there the the, the monument to there. colonization is still there yeah yeah you know it's it, yeah. it, 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 Which, it's the pulling down of christopher columbus statues the the very last um i guess it's called like a the house chapter the little mm-hmm. one-page entries yeah. from the house's perspective. Yeah. The very last page of this book uh, is titled Heart. Mm-hmm. It says there. It says there will always be another, implying I, that it's not gone. You know, I I understood it as this story is done, but there will always be another. There will always be another house like this um another another person like this uh that was my colonial house yeah yeah for sure yeah that it's it's an ongoing process right it's not you just take down one thing and you fix colonialism it's it's many monuments there's many examples of people who came in and because even even what's her name the um alma no who, who was the woman who was living there like she is kind of a bad guy. She, oh. she, the living yeah. bad guy. Yeah, like right, and so yeah. she, like yeah. she, I, like she could be her, a Marion. Yeah, like they even yeah. called her our living Marion. Yeah, exactly. So extent. like it's that's the thing. It's yeah. it's a cycle. Like she obviously exists now. She is she herself is not a colonizer, but she. She kind of uh, is. <laughs> well, like she benefits from it. She is. I mean, she, she is. is. You know, but I mean, like you know, like. You know the line in the Barbie movie where one you of the, one Barbie. of the I mean everything yeah. comes back to the Barbie movie, but there's a line in there where one, like a businessman tells Ken is like patriarchy. We're just we're smarter about it now. It's mm. it's kind of that. It, it's Alma is now like I'm smarter about it. Like I'm more. It's so true. <laughs> you know we're not That's actually true. coming in and building houses and forcing to do stuff no. we're coming into places that already exist we're educated we're going to keep it up we're going to keep the history of it it doesn't matter that well, the like, history is not your own well and like you said they got smarter so like she even complained at one point she was like even though it's our money holding this economy up like they make it impossible for us to like own these homes and rebuild them into their glory days and blah 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 like she still see she still set has that sense of entitlement yeah that colonialism exactly. for sure which was at the core of colonialism right that like the the white eurocentric worldview was the dominant and therefore superior one that needed to be enforced upon others and so like even the way that she recounts the history of this house where she's like oh it was this lovely couple who like you know helped build these beautiful homes and like kept the peace and you find out it's because they were killing locals, right? Who refused to bow down to the conquerors, um, Mm -hmm. to the colonialists. So like my thought about the house representing colonialism was sort of like, this is what happens. It's almost like a warning or a, a symbol of what happens when we don't, we're not honest with ourselves when we're not honest about, when we're not self-aware or self-reflective. Cause Marian like said she was a scholar of um, European Indochina history or something like that. And if you know, if you think about it, like the only way that Jade burned down this house was when she was honest about everything. When she revealed the truth to her mom on the phone and to her friend Hallie or Haley 
that's when she like got the power to burn this place down. It's kind of when she saw mm-hmm. through things that like I was poisoning my sister and like the only way to, to like get rid of this is to burn it down. So I don't know. I felt like there was, I feel like the author was doing something deeper there and that's, that's where I was kind of hoping to go with it too. Was like, I wonder what the ultimate lesson was. I liked it. It made me think a lot. I haven't thought that much about a book in a long time. Well, on that note, um, I think we're ready to wrap this up. So this book has a rating of 3.43 out of over 5,000 ratings on Goodreads. Um, do you guys agree with that? What would you rate it? I know what I would rate it, but I want to hear hmm, Laura's first. <laughs> um, I, I'd probably give it a 3.5. Rico? Yeah, I I don't know. It's tough. I think there there is there's definitely meat in this book. There's definitely a lot in this book that yeah makes you think and and has you consider and uh, so f- for that alone, I feel like I would give it like a three point seven five. <laughs> wow, three point seven five. Yeah. I have I have such a hard time with like anything less than half a star. So it's always impressive to me when you're like mm, 3.82. And I know you have a rating system. I know you have categories and shit and you average it and blah, blah, blah. But the math, that's too much math. Um, like, so give me my boy math have... alone. <laughs> you're Ken math. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like it a lot. I really, I think it is a really good book, especially for a debut. I feel like there is a lot of meat to it, Mm -hmm. um, especially for a YA, which makes me respect the author a lot, um, for, for doing that. I think a lot of the time YA can be really fluffy. And I think there have been a couple of YA books that we've read that haven't been, that have been like excellent, um, examples of like tackling these like deeper themes for for youth and I think it's important so for that I want to give it four stars but I think there's also like I did have trouble like really like sticking with the book sometimes um Agreed. oh so that makes me want to say like 3.5 some yeah maybe I am a 3.75 and I'm I don't do I don't do with quarters I don't do quarters. It's so hard. Where does it believe in quarters? Uh, Half dollars only. I that's well. That's why I, I think it's a three point five. I'd probably again. Goodreads does not do halves or any like that. Only whole stars. I'll probably round it up to four because it was it was very well written debut book. Like we've read debut books where we were like we enjoyed it, but also like here are all the things that we didn't like about it or. Yeah. you know poked holes in and i feel like we didn't really do that at all for this yeah book. um that's true yeah that's uh, why i want to give it, i think i'm going to give it a four for that i mean you just kind of convinced me in my four of like right hey, <laughs> i've been harder on books and given them 3.5s so i feel like yeah. for that reason just because it was heavy doesn't make it a bad book i just think that you have to be in that mindset yeah. And that's not really why I read as much anymore. The world is heavy enough as it is. Mm, true. I read to escape. So it was hard. To, this this had me confronting a lot of things, um, a lot of different themes in my own life. So it was like, oh, this is a lot of work. And I'm not I'm not in the mental place for this. I am on a train going to a recruitment event. Like, this is not what I would like to be reading right now. Um, but it was really good. It was really good. So, I, yeah, I think I stick with the four. Okay, so four, yeah. three and a half. I think that averages out to 3.75. Wow. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. Miss <laughs> Ken does math. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I'll definitely be recommending this book, you guys. Like, oh, I, yeah. I've already, yeah. I'm like, if you liked Mexican Gothic, this is the book for you. It's gay. It's here. It's queer. It's great. Um, perfect time to read this book um, and support non-binary queer authors. So, yeah, no, yep. got to do nice. it. Um, so what are we reading next? Who has something is killing the children? 
Rico? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. what That's I'm smart. reading next, I'm going to continue on with the spooky reads and, and my horror comic books. I'm reading Something is Killing the Children from Boom Studios. It is a... So good. Yeah, I know you're. I know you're a fan. I'm finally getting to it. I haven't started at all yet. Yes, but, um, but uh, I have some like oh, some of the uh, the special variant covers in my collection. Ooh, nice. I think I'm gonna get the uh, like the deluxe version that has like the first three collected trades. Anyhow, it's a uh, it's about a monster killer who hunts the monsters Ooh. that abduct children of a sleepy Wisconsin town. Does that sound right to you, Laura? That sounds yeah. yeah I don't I mean, remember if it was Wisconsin, but that's that's what. Yeah, that's what Goodreads yeah. said. So if it's not Wisconsin, yeah, Goodreads is lying. But um, yeah, no, it. I've this was a book that I heard a lot about when it was being released, when it was brand new. Um, mm-hmm. but because of me, my stupid, you know, your stupid schedule. Yeah, my stupid schedule. I immediately saw like, oh, that'd be perfect for October. So I'm gonna. Not read it until I could put it into October, and finally here. Oh so. my god! Oh my god! Yeah, but listen, it's perfect. It's perfect for this time of year. It's uh, I'm gonna get some spooky vibes from it. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. I think it it will, uh, it will definitely satisfy your need for horror. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! All right, Laura, what are you reading next? Um, I'm going to try and finish A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Uh, I've been trying to read this book for, I want to say, probably two months now um, because I started it and then I kept having other books that I had to stop to read, um, like for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so it was like my book that I'm reading in between books. So I think I'm going to prioritize getting that done next. I also, I did check out the audio book um, to be able to help me get through it a little faster also. (laughs) But uh, I think I'm still early enough in the book where I feel like I, I, like not too much has happened for me to feel like I don't remember anything. So I think I'll be okay just jumping right back in. Well, I wish you luck on your journey to finish that book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we all we all have those books. Yeah, yeah, we all do. Um, so no judgment, but let us know what you think of it. It's on my list, so we'll I know Emma. I know Emma Skies is really enjoying. Oh, she, um, she anything be Schwab. Anything be Schwab. Yeah. I am working on starting the All Souls series by Deborah Harkness. So the first one's A Discovery of Witches. I watched the TV show. I absolutely loved it. Oh, it's um, good? Okay. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Um, I highly recommend. Um, yeah, when I'm, I actually watched the show before I watched the books, and then I, I think I watched, like, the first two seasons. There's a third season, I believe. That's good to um, know. I knew it was a show, but I heard nothing about the show. I've not heard anybody talk about it, so I assume that meant it Oh, no. Z and I love it so much. I think it's because it was on a weird streaming service. Yeah. Like, I can't remember right now what it was called, but it wasn't, like, a main streamer, so it was hard to get. Mm. Gotcha. Um, okay. And find. So, um, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um. So I'm excited to read the books because I've heard they're even better. Um, I love like people will come to my house and they're on my shelf and they're like, you're reading that? And I'm like, I've actually never read it. I received that as a gift from my friend and it is on my list. The next rainy day that comes around, I'm going to sit and read that book. (laughs) Um, If you can't tell, I love a rainy day. (laughs) So like, I'm very excited for when the rain actually gets here. Um, See, I'm going to start that series um, as soon as it starts to rain. So and I'm finishing up the other book um, that I mentioned. And then I have a whole TBR of net galleys that I need to get through. Oh, so no. like, at some point I will get to that. It's just hard. Cause I am such a mood reader. And so sometimes it's like, I, I want to read that, but it's just like not the mood right now. Like I can't Rico is a sociopath to me. The fact that you're like, okay, so the next book, yep. Yeah, it's on the list and that's what I'm going to do. So my mood be damned. And I just don't understand that. I have to, I, I, no, absolutely not. I'm proud of myself because I was able to get my, um, my ratio on my profile 
higher because I actually put in my reviews. But now I have two. I have two books that I can't do a review for yet because I didn't realize they were book two. Oh, I've definitely have a couple (laughs) like that. Two book twos. Yeah. So I'm like, damn it! Now I got, I gotta read the first books first. Yeah, <laughs> those are yeah. those are tricky because it's hard to tell on NetGalley sometimes. So yeah, they don't they I mean, don't really tell you. Yeah, it's it, and everyone's so different. So it's not like there's like a spot to look or anything. You just have to be careful when you read it. Which sometimes yeah. I'm like, mm, that just sounds good. Add add to cart, add to list, whatever request. Um, all right, you guys. Well, our next episode will be The Road to Roswell by Connie Willis, uh, a delightful novel about alien invasions, conspiracies, and the incredibly silly things people are willing to believe, some of which may actually be true. So join us for that book. Um, But also let us know, listeners, what your thoughts are on this book. She is a haunting. Um, Let us know if you also think it deserves 3.75 stars. Um, (laughs) Or maybe you're not a sociopath and you give it full or half stars. Um, And then tell us why. (laughs) Uh, You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Shit We've Read. Um, And yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. Tis the season to be spooky and cozy. So put on your rainy day playlist or grab a hot beverage, a little hot apple cider, mulled wine, you name it. Um, and grab a spooky book like She is a Haunting or any of the other ones that exist in the world. Ask Rico for recommendations. <laughs> he's, he's got he's got them. So. I got them. <laughs> you want them, I got them. <laughs> he definitely does. Um, happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Shit We've Read is hosted by Laura Benson, Jason Rico, and Bella Romero, with music by Joshua Chilton and editing by Jason Rico. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information about us or to request transcripts, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bylow Network. Visit bylownetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.